When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Right, well, good evening, folks. Is it, is it, I do this every time. Is it evening? Five-ish. No, afternoon for me. Yeah. Evening starts at six for me. Good afternoon. Welcome to a very, very dark Ellen Road. Um, but very, very cheery and very light Positive. in terms of mood. Um, 3-1 they beat Burnley there was definitely a period in that game where we all felt it was going to go a bit awry but in the end I think the scoreline as Bielsa said fairly reflected the game and the Leeds deserved to win it across the 90 fairly comfortably as they did with a, with a two goal margin in the end and crucially eight points now to, uh, to, to third from bottom Burnley only two places but um, as I was just saying to Joe um, off camera the, uh, the Rosas are here um, Thankfully, the bottom four like they are—they are getting cut adrift, and uh, Watford are surely going to be sued by uh, by half of Africa at some point with the yeah. players they're holding back to try and stay up. But anyway, yeah, um, pretty pleasing, Joe. In the end, I mean, Burnley clearly a limited side that had to be beaten at Ellen Road. I mean, that really was a must win. If you're not going to beat Burnley at home, who yeah. are you going to beat? Yeah, exactly. And thankfully, they they took care of business with with still some big players missing. Yeah, obviously. I mean, the injury list is still pretty, pretty lengthy, isn't it? With your your Strokes and your Rodrigo's and Bamford, who wasn't involved today. Cooper and Phillips. Uh, obviously, Cooper and Phillips, who Shackleton. We're just discounting now because of you know them being out until March. But yeah, it was a, it was a good performance. I thought um, Forshaw and Click were really good, you know, in their respective roles. Um, Rafinha stationed out wide on the right really caused Charlie Taylor problems. You know, he just stretched the play so often. Um, I thought Roberts had a good first half. Gelhart was good when he came on, um, got an assist. Thought James was good when he came on, um, offered a, an outlet. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, there was there was a lot of sort of seven out of ten performances. I mean, Stuart Dallas, who I'm forgetting, that was a another big game performance from a, from a player who has delivered on the big stage so many so many times for this club. So um, yeah, I think overall it's it's a it's not a it's not a win where you've you kind of you've just skated through it and you haven't really played well. I think Leeds played. You know, to the point where you think three-one is a deserved result today. Yeah, they were okay, weren't they? It wasn't like I wouldn't put it down as like a vintage Leeds no, win no. or a, a vintage Leeds performance. There were certainly aspects of it which which could do with improving. I mean, allowing Burnley back into the game, Leeds. I mean, the territory and possession and the the pressure they were able to put onto Burnley. They should have done a lot more with with the ball they they had in the final third, especially in that first half. But again, just lacking that that final bit of quality. Um, but I think as a as a trident, that the front three were were pretty effective in what they did. I think Rafinha, by his by his very very high standards, wasn't mesmeric. I think he he had moments like Joe says he, he stretched the play, and I think yeah. things like that do go under the radar. I think we, I mean, I, I'm like that with Daniel James. I think sometimes I miss the importance of the off the ball stuff and how that that creates space for other teammates. So I don't think Rafinha was. I mean, the open goal he, he should have scored. Oh, I mean, I forgot about when, that. when the game was in the balance, he has to score. I mean. If you could have handpicked one player on the pitch for that to fall to, it was Rafinha, and it wasn't. I know there were recovering Burnley players, but if you haven't seen it yet, um, well, 
going to come on and show you. So at this end of the pitch, and um, I think at this point Daniel James was on, wasn't James he? So on, yeah. James came across. Gelhart was sort of a decoy run. Ball came through. Did Gelhart get the first? I think Gel- there was some form of touch on it. Which yes, took the and then it sort of ricocheted through. Yeah. And Rafinha was basically unmarked coming through here to this 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 post. Players darting across, but he had enough of the goal to to basically slot it in uh, with no goalkeeper in the way, um, and he's missed it. Um, so, but apart from that, I think him, Robertson, and Harrison did do a good job in the first half. Harrison getting the goal, we know about the psychological impact of that. It's mm. not been his finest season, and it wasn't until I looked at the numbers that, that that's the first league goal since he scored against Burnley last season in the yeah. uh, the four nil win at Turf Moor when he was arguably putting in his performance of the season. So nice for him to get that goal, and uh, and quite important given um, given how much pressure he's been under in recent weeks. Yeah, really satisfying for him. I think we saw it in the celebrations, kind of just looking to the ground, two big fist bumps. Um, you know, it was you could see that that meant something. He got two bites at the cherry. I think he would have been really disappointed if he hadn't finished off at least one of the chances. You know, he goes through and um, you know wins the ball back off James Tarkovsky, who gets himself in a right mess. That was a very satisfying um, error from if, if you're not yeah. a fan of Tarkovsky. <laughs> yeah, he, he he makes a mess of it, and I think the, the most satisfying element of it for me is that. After about 25 minutes, Burnley are taking their time over oh. everything. They took their time over every throw-in, set, set play. And it, you just thought, lads, it's nil-nil. It's you know, half an hour into the game. You not need to win. You need to, you need and, to beat these. And you're in the bottom three and yeah. you're wasting time. And Hennessy, the, the, the fans in the, uh, in the North Stand, they, they were sort of chanting up 13, 14, 15. Plays the ball out. Tarkovsky messes it up. Harrison goes through, has one shot. With his, uh, with his left foot, that's saved by Hennessy, but then follows it up with the right and, and puts it in the corner, just squeezes it past him at the near post. And <coughs> it, was, it, it was the lift that Ellen Road needed. Yeah. You know, Burnley had, had, they had chances. I mean, there was one on the stroke of half-time mm-hmm. that they had uh, with Chris Wood, which just went over the bar, but they hadn't threatened enough to deserve being in front. And you did think that 15-minute period after the second half began when Leeds tend to be quite vulnerable, which Burnley did score in, mm. you did worry about that if Leeds were, you know, not going in, in at the break one 0 up. So, I think it was a it was a decisive goal, both individually for, for Jack Harrison, but also for, for the team dynamic. Definitely feared for the worst when um, when Corne scored the free kick. I think when Corne Co- came on, you said to me, "There's yeah, your there's your narrative." I think because anybody that's followed him in recent years will know that in his pomp, he was virtually unplayable when he played for Leon against Man City in that, that quite famous knockout tie in the Champions League and he was one that w- was never really of interest to Leeds but, but one that his agent was pushing quite hard in the, in the media um, was it last, last summer wasn't yeah, it yeah. Um, and you just felt that he, he had enough of an X factor coming off the bench to kind of be that, that difference maker for Burnley because they were a bit off it in that first half and he just had enough about him to create problems and of course forced a free kick from Urente which you know, we'll get on to as has forced another ban um, but thankfully again I think almost a product of why these two teams are in the bottom five in that Burnley just didn't have the quality to kind of yeah. to take control of the game they, the moment was there for them the door was open Dyche would have seen it and they just couldn't walk through it and ultimately Leeds managed to wrestle some control back uh, and ultimately saw the game out and a lovely lovely goal from Stuart Dallas if you haven't seen it hits it so well we're, we're right behind it in the press box and uh, it stayed hit uh, and a fantastic moment for him with with the South Stand. Um, it feels like we've been waiting for a long, long time for Dallas to have one of those moments. I think he he was robbed, of course, of the of the moment at City away last season um, when he when he wheels away and, and scores that late late winner. And that was the kind of release for motion I felt seeing it. In that he's obviously had difficulties this season off the field, um, losing one of his best friends. 
Um, performances haven't been brilliant, although he's improved of late. But just an amazing moment. And they're the moments why you want to be in the stadium because it was just going berserk in that south stand. And at that point, it did feel like Leeds were going to take care of business. And in the end, uh, the Dan James goal was... It, it put the seal on it, but it, mm-hmm. they didn't feel like they needed it, did they? I mean, the, the no. game felt dead and buried by then. Yeah, you, there was always that lingering sort of worry, but it, it got to the point where the final 10 minutes, Burnley were kind of pumping balls forward, but they weren't mm. getting anywhere near Leeds' box. You know, Yorente, Cock and, and Ailing were, were all really solid, really secure today. But they worked well in tandem. Um, and they, they swatted away. That's probably the operative word, isn't it? Because mm. there's so many clearances um, so from so many aerial balls. Um, they, they managed to deal with pretty much everything that came with, came their way, and I think that Dallas goal as well. You know, it's as you say, we're right behind it. Short corner, Rafinha plays it to, to click. They both sort of run towards the box, and I think there was a bit of we missed it in, in the in the um, the aftermath. But I think I mean, obviously we're not watching the TV um, coverage, but we could the replay seemed to be focusing on the on the corner. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, we missed it, but it looks like there's some debate as to whether the ball was rolling at the corner. Oh, right, really? Um, obviously, the goal was given, and VAR either didn't look at it closely enough or, or didn't feel it was anything in it. But I just, it was just something I noticed in passing. I don't know if the people people on the video uh, have seen replay since, but no, I didn't but, spot that. No. Sorry, as you said, it was a it was a short corner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice routine, and you know, comes out to, to click, and he plays it across. I think the, the pass from click to, to Dallas is actually a little bit heavy. Mm. It sort of lets it come across his body. And through traffic, he kind of gets a nice nice sidestep on it where other players might have sort of checked back and tried to to find some room, but he just goes, no, you know what, I'm I'm hitting this one. And he he, he finds the the far corner. And it was kind of one which he thought, ah, that's going to balloon up and over. But it stayed true and it stayed hit. And it it, it nestled right into the far corner. It was a lovely, lovely goal. It was was a lovely moment, yeah. It was a a really good goal. Um, I think you have to have good technique for that as well. Yeah. Coming into the game then, um, team sheet wise, two changes which I think many people kind of expected. I think Daniel James was the only one that people might have been a bit unsure of given that Bielsa had said he'd be available and we weren't too sure how he'd shuffle the pack. But I think we all felt that, that Cody and, and Gelhart would drop out of the side at, at least the starting 11. Um, and it was the back three we expected. Um, if we're looking at sort of individual basis now, I think Melier, I mean, we need, I think I need to see another replay just yeah. to be sure of it, but my gut instinct was that he should have done better on the free kick. I think a free kick of that range, it wasn't close, it's pretty close. straight as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah, pretty straight. The wall is right where he wants it to be, and he's still getting beaten by it. I mean, mm. I know some free kicks are unsavable, but I don't know. I just felt that there's a, there's a few of those in, in Melier's arsenal where he, he does let a few of those in. I'd, I'd like to have seen it from the South Stand's viewpoint, sort of yeah. like down the throat, because if the ball go, if if the free kick is sort of going outside the post and then sort yeah, of I don't think it bends back in, much, yeah. then maybe you can you know you can excuse him, but um, yeah, it, it kind of felt kind of felt like a he could have maybe gone a little bit harder for it, but I mean we're nitpicking there. There wasn't really that much for him to do. There was a save in the first half which he made. Yes, from, from close range. Yeah. Charlie Taylor crosses the ball in. Chris mm. Wood gets a, a decisive touch on it, which I only spotted on the replay. And Melier's there. He's, he's positioned well. So, you know, at one at nil nil, that's that's the type of save you want your goalkeeper to be making. who's not been called into action. Charlie Taylor and Chris Wood among among the narratives today. Today was actually their first game back at Ellen Road with a crowd since they left. So. Getting on for four years now since since Wood and Taylor both went to Burnley either side of the, the summer of 2017 and um, of course with, with Burnley being in the top flight and Leeds being in the, in the second tier for, for much of that period and fans not being in last season, um, the Leeds fans sort of took their opportunity to let the players know and I think 
Taylor got it a bit worse, didn't he? Yeah, there was being, a few, the, being the local boy. Yeah, there was, there was a few um, choice words maybe said from. from some they described points. him as a, as a colourful character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Chris Wood just got a few boos when he first touched the ball, but Taylor seemed to be a bit more in the the thick of the action, and, and um, I think he probably gave one of the slightly more sort of dismissive interviews once he'd gone to Burnley mm-hmm. and sort of wrote off Leeds as a championship club that he needed to get out of. Um, little did he know what was about to happen. Little did he know, yeah. Um, the back three then, uh, I think generally the back three did pretty well. Yeah. Um, Ailing at times did run down some blind alleys. I think at 1-1 I was probably a bit more critical of him than I was at 3-1. Mm-hmm. Cock, I thought, did, did, did pretty well. I can't remember putting a foot wrong and... Mm-hmm. More so because of how little football he's had, and, yeah. and he's still—it's very easy. I mean, Ailing again came back fairly swiftly. It's easy to forget how quickly these these players are coming back and how little 23s football they're playing, especially Cock, who had been missing yeah. since the opening day. Um, but, 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 they also but, even said he wanted Cock to play 23s football yeah, in an ideal, in an ideal world. world, and then but, obviously yeah, the injuries. Yeah, no chance of that. Um, and Chris Wood, we know, can cause problems. He is a solid, physical Premier League target man, and and Cock, I don't remember really struggling with him to be honest, and. Cox, one of those I look at and I don't think he, look, he looks like he's probably not going to fancy it, but he really holds his own, doesn't he? He, he, does, he does enjoy getting his elbows out and, and matching up to these players. I know what you mean, not in the same way that you look at your Ente and you think you've kind of maybe got a little bit of a screw loose and you're going to he's, love this. Yeah, he's just, he just, yeah. Cox is more of a, he's, have, you, have you heard a the, refined centre back? Have you heard the, the term where centre backs are described as cats or dogs? No. Your Ente is a dog and Cox is a, is a cat. I, I do love that, if, yeah. If, I've not heard that, that's great. He's, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's a bit more suave. I think, yeah, yeah Suave's a great word for but, but he does he stands up to the physical stuff yeah, well, he and, he, and he did today it was, it was a mixture of a challenge as well because Aaron Lennon started up front yeah. with Chris Wood in the first half so he's a you know a, still a, got a bit of pace at 39 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as far away as you can get from Chris Wood's physical yeah. uh, setup. Um, and then Corney when he came on as well he offered sort of a mixture of both he's got a bit of oh, a burst boy. and a bit of physicality but yeah I mean, I mean we'll, we'll get on to the Urente booking then um, yeah, let's he, talk about that, and, and I want to talk about the celebration as well. Yeah, I mean, Urente was booked um, for the for the foul, which gave away the free kick, which uh, Corne ultimately converted. He seemed straight away. He seemed very incensed, <laughs> didn't he? He's like, oh, I'm going to book for this. It wasn't even worth the booking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've not even left one on him. Yeah, um, and and that means he's now been booked five times in the Premier League this season. Today was the 19th game, so full time was the cutoff. But unfortunately, that means that Urente will be suspended for the next. Here's, think, here's a think league game. Here's a question for you: If you pre-match, if you'd have so the, the three at threat today were Roberts, Rafinha, and Urense. If you've been offered, right, you're going to get a ban today. Do you either want to get Rafinha banned on his own and yeah. Roberts and Urense be fine, or do you want to take those two banned and keep Rafinha? It's, it's a keep Rafinha for me. Yeah, I think yeah. we've got the we've got the better end of the deal now. I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, if we had to take it, um, and we were just saying off camera that that actually, obviously, it's the cup game next, so they can play in that fine, which is which is great. I mean, I'm, I'd be amazed if I found any Leeds fans who care about a cup run at the moment. I mean, that is just the biggest distraction that's been in years. Um, so we've got two weeks now until the West Ham League game, and you would think that based on the noises we're hearing, Bamford. It's very close, I think. I mean, he said himself he's, he's hitting his target. So I think Bamford should be back, which would mitigate the loss of Roberts, although we've got Dan James anyway. And Joe Gelhart after that. And Gelhart, of course. Um, but in terms of Urente, I, I would like to think that Stroik's going to have a good chance of, of making that second West Ham game. So hopefully hope, yeah. uh, we're not going to lose him. But of course, if we do, then you know we do the hokey-cokey with, with Ailing and, um, yeah. and Dallas again, shift, don't we? Across, yeah. Um, so yeah, the free kick, the yellow card, and then the subsequent celebration, which of course has become 
a bit of a talking point. Yeah, I mean, for, for those of you who saw what Sergi Canos did when Brentford scored yeah. um, at in front of the and, and Saka and Martinelli, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, it's becoming a bit of a running theme, isn't yeah. it, at the moment? Um, there were, I mean, in, in those incidents as well, there, was, there were things thrown. Um, today there was a bottle thrown, uh, and it struck Matt Lowton on the head or face. He received a little bit of treatment afterwards. Mm. It's fine to carry on, um, but just one of those sort of unsavoury moments it's not necessary is it no it's not I mean yeah it's not necessary you can't justify it Um, and then also Maxwell Corne decides to I mean he does a little dance it's so I mean it's just so unnecessary it's so unnecessary I think like Joe says we're not by no no player nobody should feel should be a threat in their workplace this is their workplace they're on the pitch they shouldn't be on the pitch worrying they're going to get struck by something that's absolutely the bottom line on this. Nothing should be thrown, whatever happens on the pitch. But you have to question the logic of celebrating where they are. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? It's antagonising. What do you think is going to happen? You know there's been recent incidents. I'm sure Max O'Corney doesn't do his reading around incidents like that. But you know, you just, you're asking for it. I'm not saying you should, you should get it, but you are asking for some kind of reaction. I mean... Yeah. In the most extreme circumstances, you might get somebody come on the pitch. I mean, that, that's the sort yeah, of thing exactly. you're running the risk of. Well, I did think yesterday, I mean, for anybody who saw the Rodri celebration in the last minute uh, for Man City against Arsenal. Yeah, again. I did think, you know what, if, some, if, if they did that somewhere else, you know, you're running the risk of, you know, people well, encroaching takes, the pitch. I mean, as, as today, I mean, and, and to his credit, Sean Dyche did say it's just one fan. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. One fan has let themselves down. The crowd today was magnificent, he said. I think we'd all agree with that. And it, but... As with today, it took one fan to throw the bottle. It takes one fan, the wrong fan, yeah. just to run on the pitch. Yeah. Eight pints in, it, it, it does take the one fan to come on the pitch and just completely change the narrative and and just change it completely. But you know, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have, have been um, attacked in that way. It's just it just feels a bit unnecessary. Yes, by all means, do a sweeping run of the corner, but don't stand there and dance. Good them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, to be fair. We, look, we looked at Rafinha doing that at Stamford Bridge after he scored the penalty and we were like, well, you know, yeah, kind of maybe see I'm it down here in front of the Brentford fan, Brentford yeah, fans. Yeah, when, do, um, it, it, it depends oh, on, we on, are which bi- side, yeah. on which side you we lie. We are biased, yeah. Ultimately... I'll take that, it is biased. Ultimately, it's, it's something, you know, the, the, the bottom line is, as you say, no one should be throwing things. No. You know, and especially not like Aaron Ramsdale said after the Arsenal game, don't be chucking two pound coins. Come on, that's your boss for home. It's a waste yeah. of money, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back onto the team then. And I mean, the, the middle three, pretty. I mean, for sure is almost a solid seven every week now. It's almost not worth talking about. It's just such a safe pair of hands. He's composed with the ball and aggressive without it. And I yeah. think that's everything you need in that role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Composure I mean, on it and aggression to get it back. He never seems rushed, even though no. he's obviously under a lot of pressure when he's on the ball. He never seems rushed. He, I think today in particular, I said this to you in the first half, they're winning the ball high up the pitch so often. Burnley mm. were at sixes and sevens because it felt like every minute they tried to pass out, Forshaw was there, Click was there, Rafinha, Roberts. They were all winning the ball high up the pitch, Dallas, Furpo. Um, and, yeah, I think with, with Forshaw, he, he kind of knits it all together. He's mm. the, that fulcrum-type player at the base of the midfield uh, in Phillips' absence. And um, there were some, some colleagues from the BBC were saying, you know, Phillips was in the director's box today and you could see him applauding some of the things that Forshaw was doing. Mm. Um, which is nice. It's really nice to see that, that obviously that he, you know, 
Phillips knows that role inside out better than anyone. So if he's applauding something that Forshaw's doing, yeah. he knows that that's you know that's not exactly ordinary. And you made the point at halftime, you know, Firpo and Dallas within, winning their duels, winning their tackles yeah. down the flanks, which. When you look at the consistency of that statistic down both flanks, it's clear yeah. where Burnley were losing the battle. Yeah, they, they, they were, both they were the turning over the ball there. And right, you know, Dwight McNeil is a very good footballer. Yeah, he is. He, every transfer window, he gets linked with the big six yeah. club. He was if anonymous. it weren't for Corney, he'd be their, their, their star playmaker. And he was largely anonymous today. I mean, Goodmanson went off at half-time at, at yeah. right wing because he was, he was ineffectual. And I think, again, you've got to put that down to Firpo and Dallas being proactive out wide. I think it's probably... I, I've, I've thought about it a lot proactive is probably the word mm. you know they, they the amount of times where passes came into feet and Burnley were maybe a bit flat footed and Dallas Firpo whoever was there to intercept um, it was it was reminiscent of sort of last season yeah Dallas Dallas was right back up there um, I mean the goal was obviously a, a very nice nod to last season but generally very combative um, the, the legs on him he's got an endless engine and he's always making those third man runs you know, he almost had a one on one if he'd taken a better first touch uh, with a ball over the top, but for Furpo, I mean, much like Harrison, you know, it's not really been Furpo season. But today was was again, without being exhilarating and astounding, very very solid, and and yeah. it feels like another step forward for him. And I think he, you can see he frustrates Bielsa at times with his positioning. You know, I mean, we we joked at one point he was playing like the number nine off Roberts, <laughs> and you, from where we stood, you you have to kind of make some assumptions on what Bielsa is saying and who he's saying it to, but. Yeah, he looked very clearly like he was shouting at Furpo, saying, what are you doing up there? You know, when we're playing a man-to-man system, we can't have you playing as a centre-forward when yeah. Burnley's right winger is running away. So there are little things like that in his game. We know he loves to roam forward. He can't help himself. He's almost like a kid in a playground. But in terms of the, com- the combativeness, it looks a bit awkward at times, but, but is effective. Gets the job done. Yeah, gets yeah. the job done. Yeah, it's not, in, it, it's not smooth. It's not, it, yeah. it's not sophisticated defending no, no. all the time. But it does get the job done. And I think... You know, there was with Alioski. There were always concerns about, oh, is he? He's just simply not in the right place, or kind yeah. of makes that one mistake a game, yeah. which ends up costing you. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, to begin with, Firpo was making those mistakes, but in the past few games, um, I mean, especially today, there wasn't that individual error where mm. you thought, ah, oh, he's passed it inside and there's been no one there. Yeah, everything was very, very. A few heavy touches, but he, he yeah. always recovered. Yeah, yeah, he was he's, able to recover the ball. He's very good at recovering it when he does make a mistake. Yeah. I think that that's one thing that you do have to give him credit for. You know, he's not perfect, but mm. he does work back. There's no sort of slumping of the shoulders and just letting somebody else, you know, have to clean up his mess. Mateus Click, I think you're, you're probably a bit more up on a bit more up on him than I was. I think, I think today I might have fallen victim to one of his performances that goes a bit under the radar, and he's he's the middleman in, in a lot of instances. Yeah. And I think for for the third goal, that's a great example in that if you don't see the replay, you forget who's actually feeding Gelhart the ball to then cross yeah. it, and that's. That's again one of Click's strengths is his, his, his work on the ball, mm-hmm. um, on the run. Sorry, with the ball, and he's able to thread those passes. And one of his one of my favourite moments was where he selflessly sort of gave it to Roberts um, on the edge of the box and almost gave Roberts a not an open goal, but you know a good chance <laughs> to take a shot. <laughs> and Roberts on unfortunately slips. Um, but yeah, your thoughts on Click today? You, you felt he was pretty solid. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I wasn't as high until I sort of saw the stats. I, I thought I looked at his game and I thought. You know, he did seem as though he was that link player again. You know, yeah. familiar, um, which has maybe been missing in recent weeks. With when, when, we're, when we've got a head on the keyboard as well, we don't always see that yeah. that action before the real action. The, yeah, because a lot of the time you're hearing the, the uptake in you, the crowd. You're looking up and when it's go, into the yeah, final third. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, a lot of the, the work that he was doing was that link playing for the James goal. It's, I mean, you know, he, 
sort of around the centre circle. On Great guile. Does a, it does a little Cruyff turn, I think, actually. Really? Yeah, it does a little Cruyff turn through traffic, plays the ball to Gelhart. It's a simple mm. pass, but it's forward, it breaks mm. the Burnley line, Gelhart's in down the right-hand side, and from that point, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're having to, to play catch-up, and the ball across from Gelhart to, to James is really well-weighted, and I think Daniel James scoring ahead a bit of a collector's item, but yeah. you know, Wayne Hennessy won't want to see it again. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it, it capped off... A, you know, deserved performance, and I'm starting to like what Daniel James offers more week on week. Now. Well, let's talk about we've, we've we've pretty much talked about the starting front three. So let's talk about the subs, James and Gelhart. Gelhart again. I mean, if you weren't in the stadium today, I mean, if it weren't for the goals, one of the biggest roars of the day was was simply for Gelhart getting the shout. I mean, the hype around this kid is just mm. it's just incredible. I mean, obviously we we like to think that the the, the club are managing him properly you know the coaches are keeping his feet on the ground I'm sure his peers are keeping his feet on the floor we know what his, what his teammates can be like at that age yeah. um, but in terms of you know the general reaction to this guy I mean it's it's remarkable isn't it I mean the hype is incredible from what he's done with the 23s and every time he comes on now it feels like this, he's the saviour yeah and that's it, a lot for a young lad to take on his shoulders it is a lot it, it is a lot and t- today there was a few instances where he, were, he was either going through on goal or he was given the opportunity to, mm. to strike and fluffed his lines a little bit but you know to, to, to continue having the wherewithal to, to find those spaces in the final third in the last five minutes while you know the game might have you know, another it was one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, he could have easily sort of duffed that cross. Could have just, could have just hidden away and just thought, you know, I'll see this through. But mm. he's obviously, you know, he's obviously got that tenacity and the, the will to, to get on, get in possession. Um, there was, there was a few instances where he kind of, you, you thought he was going to go on one of those mazy little dribbles into yeah. the box and was maybe, maybe shut down, like going down. Burnley did the right with him, didn't they? Really? Yeah, they, I, they, I they showed a bit of nous and let him yeah. do his running and then sort of waited for that moment just to crowd him out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think in terms of the hype. You know, it's it's a lot for for him to bear on his shoulders, and there will be times when he sort of goes through patches where he's maybe not as as impactful. Yeah. But he's played around 300 minutes in the Premier League now. Amazing. We're, we're count, if, if we're counting penalties, that's around three assists. I think he's got now because he's won two penalties, which have both been converted. Yeah. He's got an assist today. Scored at Chelsea. You know, you're looking at, uh, you know, that. What, what more can you ask for? for yeah, a player exactly. Off the bench? Yeah. And, and again, he, he's, he's always at least asking the question, isn't he? You know, he's always that man. There was at least twice I saw him sliding in, sort of um, uh, into the six-yard box, expecting yeah, the ball yeah, to yeah. get to him. And it didn't come to him, but he's there and he's, he's asking the question. He's making the defenders think and, and that also, he is there and he is going to commit himself and, and make those, those calls, a bit like he did at, at Stamford Bridge for the goal. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like a Gelhart stamford Bridge special almost, mm. twice. You know, the, the ball coming in from the left-hand side and he's there, he's, made, he's timed his run Anticipating perfectly. It. You know, he as you say, he's asking the question, and also if he doesn't get a touch on it, one of the defenders might. He's going to force them net. into an error. Yeah, it's a lot better than you know standing up across and it just trickles all the way Absolutely. through to the far side. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's that number nine mentality. That's that strikers now. Yeah, absolutely. And to have that at 19 in the Premier League and to to be scoring from it first of all, and then to be displaying that a it's not a fluke. Uh, you know. It, the excitement is, is very much real. Yeah, and I think you heard that when he came on. And I think ironically, you know, we may well be hoping that he's he's not really put out there for much longer because, of course, Bamford's going to come back and yeah. if Gelhar plays less, it means the team is in a stronger position and there's more experience on yeah. the pitch. And whilst we wanted to continue getting chances from the bench, this seems to be his window, doesn't it, right now? I mean, because obviously Rodrigo as well, we're, we're hoping that's not going to be another one that's months and months. We're hoping for, for days and weeks rather than months. 
And when those two are back, as we've seen in the past, you know, Gelhart's going to do well to you know, get on the bench, if, if not get yeah. off the bench. So this 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 is his window, isn't it? Of yeah. opportunity where he's got to sort of keep trying to sort of turn heads when he's on the field. I mean, he's taken those opportunities. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's already done have, more than enough, hasn't he? He's done he's done more than the vast majority of nineteen-year-olds who have minutes in the Premier League this season will mm. do. So you know, he's, he, if if his season ended and he didn't play a single one minute, a single minute more this it's season, it's a great breakthrough year for yeah, him. Yeah, and Daniel James. Um, you're saying you know you feel like the penny's dropping for you on, on what you see from Daniel James and what he brings. What what was it about today that you saw? He obviously came on as the the left winger with with Harrison sort of fading out a little bit, and he was able to tre- stretch his legs a few times. But yeah. it wasn't until would you agree sort of the latter stages that you really sort of was able yeah, yeah. To, to put the, the squeeze on Lowton? Yeah, it took a little bit of time for him to get into the game, but he did have Lowton's number as the game went on. You know the what we're talking about there with the two Gelhart chances where he's timing his run well. You know they both come from James Crosses. Yeah, and. For, for all of you know Harrison's you know good work, there are times when you think he maybe stands up his man too yes. often, and he doesn't sort of use that burst. Whereas James has the yeah. momentum quite often to go past him on that side, um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that James has it, Harrison doesn't, because there are things it's that variety, Harrison, isn't it? Exactly, there are yeah. things that Harrison has perhaps when it's cut coming back inside, which James doesn't have. So, you know, it's good to have both. But I, I, I was I was pleased with what I saw from James because. You know, he's come back from a hip injury. It might affect your mobility a little bit when you might be a little bit rusty. Absolutely, yeah. And he showed that he's got that end product. And I, I, re- I think it's it's very much a sort of a, I don't know, it's, it's platitudes, but I love the desire from him to get his head on that cross in the 92nd minute. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's gone for that and he's got his reward. Absolutely. And we look now at the table and as we said at the start of the, the broadcast, eight point gap now to Burnley, who are third bottom. Watford, um, is it is it four points to Watford or more? Uh, Watford are on thirteen, so that's five points. Okay, um, uh, no, it might be six. Six, six actually. Yeah, yeah, we're on nineteen yeah. now. So, yeah. a sizable gap there, and, and of course, you know, we're barely halfway through. I mean, today was literally Leeds' halfway point in their season, so a long way to go, and, and a lot of things can change. But in terms of that short-term immediate reassurance, Leeds are in a pretty favourable position. I mean, given how it looks like the season could have gone at points. Mm. Um, to take an eight-point gap, I mean that. Given, I mean, the bottom three are the bottom three for a reason. It's because they don't win many games, and it's not going to be easy for them to, to bridge an eight-point gap, is it? No, absolutely not. And you know, we, there's all this talk and all this chatter about games in hand, and Burnley have got two on Leeds, and you know, Newcastle might end up having a few on on teams around them, and and that sort of thing. Watford will as well. You know, I'd rather have points on the board. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, games in hand are just it's just hot air. And I think you can tell, reading between the lines, I mean, we obviously do watch the, the opposition manager's press conference as well and don't always take a lot from it, but you could see there, Daesh is aware of the narrative, you know, Burnley are often, you know, they're, they're there or thereabouts normally. Um, on a good season, they'll get to mid-table and I think we all know how an amazing a job Daesh has done there over the years, but you can tell this is the first year in a few where it has felt like they would have recovered by now if they were going to and... Yeah. He's aware of the corny narrative. He knows that, that there is this, if not within the team, then around the outside of the team and externally in the media, that, that effectively they are looking more and more like a, like a one-man team. You know, a bit like how Palace used to look a year or two ago with Zaha, yeah. you know, a, a talismanic side with, with one man who's, who's going to win it for you. And he's aware of that narrative and he knows they're about to lose Corne to AFCON. And he was saying there that you know we, we, we can't be a team that waits for things to happen. We can't be a team that waits for Corne to deliver something. And... If they're now losing their strongest weapon, it's going to be down to the likes of Dwight McNeil to try and dig Burnley out of this somehow. And it's not going to be easy. I mean, 
we alluded to it earlier, Watford, if we're going to talk about them and their chances, they clearly do not care who they alienate and who they upset. They know they need their best players. They need Ishmael Assar. They need Emmanuel Dennis if they're going to have any chance of staying up. And we're well aware of what Newcastle are going to do in the market. Um, Norwich, I mean, I, I know Dean, quality. I mean, I rated what Dean Smith did at Villa, but, you know, what can he do with those tools? It's I suppose I don't I don't know how Norwich are going to suddenly improve upon their shoddy summer window in a in a month that is harder than ever to do business yeah. in, and their last few results have just been absolutely appalling, um, with or without absences. So there's reasons for optimism there for Leeds, yeah. and ho- we are hoping now that Leeds are going to see more and more players back. I was a little bit alarmed by Bielsa saying that Cooper and Phillips aren't going to be till March. I mean. I think we were all working to a sort of worst-case February scenario, yeah. but, but for it to be March, and that's what he said they expect. Expected, yeah. yeah that's yeah, not even worst-case in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. He, he stressed that the, the question was sort of followed up, and he's like, is that a worst-case scenario, or is that when they're expected? He's yeah. like, no, no, that, that's, the, that's timeline. the expectation, yeah. So um, you have to think that, you know, you, you have to, yeah. So how are you feeling off the back of that one today then? I mean, it was a six-pointer, basically, yeah, wasn't it? Was. it? Yeah, and yeah, The table reflects that. But, I mean, yeah, it was eight-point gap now. I mean, if... If Burnley had won today, that would have been really catastrophic with yeah. the game. I know I go on about games in hand being hot air, but with those games in hand and the potential momentum, it's a psychological get, thing. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased with I'm pleased with what I saw performance-wise. I'm pleased with um, the, I'm pleased with how the team continued to play when the subs came on. Um, I'm pleased. They with, rode the storm out, didn't they? Yeah, the resurgence maybe of click uh, in compared to recent weeks. Firpo as well, Dallas. You know there was. There was there was a lot to be sort of grateful for mm. on on the pitch today, and and I think you, you know how, we know how strong that dressing room is. Yeah. Hopefully, going to the next few games, West Ham's obviously going to be tough. Um, it's a West Ham triple header actually, or down at uh, oh yeah the London Stadium and and Rush Green and everything um, over the next week or so. FA Cup 23 is the following day, and then West Ham again on uh, the the following weekend. Um, but after that. You've got Newcastle coming here. Huge, that's huge. It's a massive yeah, that's game. as big as today was. That's yeah. massive. Because they're going to have, if they do get the players in that they, they are hoping they're going to have, they're going to have, in theory, a bounce of some description, aren't they? Yeah. And we're going to have to put yeah. them back in their box quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but January does offer opportunities. You did a piece on this the other day. You know, January does offer opportunities beyond transfers. You know, it's keeping their best players. It's getting their best players back from injury. It's taken advantage of the, the fixture term. We know how tough December was. It's a big month for Leeds just to try and assert themselves. And today they've started in the best way they possibly could. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, mean, I think that the noises are, again, if you haven't seen, Angus Kinnear has, has addressed transfers in his column and it's pretty much as you were. I mean, you could have, you could have guessed what he would write. You know, He backed Radrazani, he backed the 49ers as he would because they're his boss. And, and he said, you, know, you can't doubt that, that we have or they have backed the football club and reinforced where appropriate but we cannot ignore that there is a huge challenge to reinforcing this side in this month with the right players the suit Bielsa and can make an impact in this season we know how long it's going to take for players who come in from a standing start so he sort of covered both bases didn't he there he said that yeah. they are backing the club they will back the club if they can but you know don't underestimate how tough this month is to do business so we'll see how the next few weeks play out um, but thanks for joining us great numbers on this video um, Sunday today, uh, as Joe says, we'll have 23s in the week, so Joe will be covering the 23s for us at York in the, the PL Cup. PL Cup against Sunderland. On yep. Wednesday? Yep, Wednesday, Wednesday evening, night. 7 o'clock kickoff. So keep an eye on the website for that one if, um, if LUTV don't make it freely available. Um, if they do make it freely available, watch the blog anyway. You know, Joe anyway. brings the nuggets that you don't get from, uh, from a live video stream. 
And then, as we've said, next weekend we're going to begin our three-week holiday in London. Um, <laughs> Getting a flat, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, any of you that, that have looked into it will know the trains are horrendous. Yeah. So I think we, like many people, will have to drive down to London Stadium early doors next Sunday. Uh, and then again the week after, it's same same slot completely for the league and the cup games, which is going to be a bit draining. Um, well, it's Groundhog Day again. And we'll see. <laughs> and West Ham, we know. I mean, again, the table doesn't lie. We know West Ham are a very, very good side, and that's going to be a really, really big ask of this Leeds team in this season. But hopefully, we get some good news on the team news by then. We get we get a few bodies back, but a win at least today in the game that yeah. we knew they had to win. Um, and I think people, as as a few of our colleagues in the press box have said, you probably take whatever you get out of West Ham, I and mean, given where they are on the table and where Leeds are, and how difficult Leeds normally find it in the capital. It's about Newcastle, isn't it? I mean, that's the yeah. that's the next big one we've got a red circle around. Um, but thanks for joining, uh, and we'll see you next time.